1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Craig Gordon's back at Hearts saying staying at Celtic to try and win 10 in a row wasn't an option for him. Premiership players return to full contact training. And what about the grassroots game? We'll take a look later in the show. I'm Alison Conroy and joining me tonight in the studio Aha. is Hugh Evans. And with uh, regard to Craig Gordon, there's a risk element here for Celtic. He was a fantastic goalkeeper for them. Mm. He won six league titles, five league cups, three Scottish Cups and was an outstanding player for Neil Lennon and Brendan Rodgers before him. Uh, and Celtic now have to step up these talks over Fraser Forster or Joe Hart because Scott Bain, the remaining goalkeeper at mm. Celtic, was never intended to be number one. You can give us a call tonight on 01419511025. Hugh, it's great to have you back in the studio. Thank Lockdown you. haircut or... Not a haircut. I got my haircut on the day we did lockdown <laughs> and I haven't been able to get it cut since. But Zoe, if you're listening two weeks today, I'll be the one chapping on your door at nine o'clock. Straight down there. Well, let's start with Craig Gordon Hugh and he says he couldn't stay at Celtic to be part of a team chasing ten in a row because he wanted to play football. The goalkeepers returned to Hearts on a two year deal after rejecting a new contract at Celtic on reduced terms. He says at thirty seven he had to focus on what mattered to him. That was the, the main thing that kept coming through for me every time was that I needed to be back to play and you know, from from last season. Um, Celtic again very successful won their, their ninth title in a row but I, I didn't play a single league game so you know for to, to stay around for the opportunity to, to try and get 10 and um, it, it wasn't something that was going to be for me because I, I wasn't going to be the first choice goalkeeper there it was, it was going to be difficult for me to, to force myself back in there so for me, it was the right time um, to, to move on and a fantastic opportunity to, to come back here um, at a time where there's a, a great deal of positivity amongst the fans that everybody is, is really coming together to, to push the club back to where it should be. I spoke to Craig on the good old Zoom yeah. conference call earlier. You can't fault his logic. To be fair to him, 37 years old, he wants to play. Yep. He still feels he can force his way into Steve Clark's reckoning. He's already won 14 trophies with Celtic. He has nothing to reproach himself over whatsoever. Celtic didn't offer him the kind of financial deal that he was looking for. Lots of players will find that is the situation as we come out of lockdown. Uh, so, from his perspective, it was the right thing to do. From Celtic's perspective, they now have to pursue Fraser Forster and or Joe Hart. He says he had a few offers, but Hearts are, of course, at the centre of this legal action after the relegation to the Championship. But Gordon said, you know, the pull of Hearts was too much for him and it doesn't matter where they'll be playing next season. Hearts are still a huge club, regardless of what division they're playing in. Um, and the history that I have here and, and this opportunity to, to come back at, at this point in, in my career and everything was was aligned to, towards me wanting to, to do this now. Um, you know, whatever happens off the field will happen. Uh, as a player, it's going to be my job to, to go out there and, and win matches and get the, the club back to, 
Virtue, which is the, the top end of the Premier League, and, and being successful, I'm, I'm still very hungry to be successful and to win things, and, and I still think I've got a great opportunity to do that here. He was sitting there on the call, he was smiling, he was happy, and he, he said yeah. he, he feels like he's part of a, a project at heart at the moment, the, the start of something special, he says. Well, again, it's hard to fault him. Uh, you know, he's paid due tribute to Celtic for, first of all, taking a chance on him after mm-hmm. three years out of football. He's paid tribute to Stevie Woods, Celtic's goalkeeping coach, for the work that he did with him. But it's right for him to go to Hearts, and he flags up what could be the story of the week because football goes from the boardroom to the courtroom yep, on Wednesday. Wednesday. When we go to the court of session, Lord Clark sits in judgment of the case put forward by Hearts and Patrick Thistle for not being relegated, and he decides whether the court of session has jurisdiction over this matter or whether it's passed back to football. Craig's talked about that briefly. He says, you know, there's the legal action. There's nothing he can do about that. And and, and for him, it's just about playing football. He, he doesn't seem too concerned as to where he'll be playing that football with Hearts. Well, you, you know, he obviously has Hearts uh, in his blood uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, he'll want to help them get up a division if it is decided that they have to go down. Uh, and it is an interesting time because Robbie Nielsen's back There'll be a whole resurgence uh, by the time the league starts in October for the championship clubs. So I, I think you cannot fault Craig Gordon in any way. Hearts, of course, have this legal action. They, they want the relegation to be overturned. If not, they want compensation. And Budge is still very much going for this. They've paid compensation to Dundee United to get Robbie Nielsen as the new manager. And now Craig Gordon's in as well. Well, you, you can ask yourself, uh, in the event of falling in line for compensation she thinks that hearts are due eight million pounds mm-hmm. uh, the very thought of that must frighten neil doncaster and every other club who'll have to meet the bill um but eight million pounds for being relegated but i'll leave the legal eagles <laughs> to quantify that oh one four one nine five one one oh two five is the number you need tonight and paul and kirk and tell given the call hello paul hi Alison. hi you hello paul Good to have you back in the studio here. You're very uh, <laughs> my point tonight is I wish Craig Gordon all the best. Uh, he's, he's left in good terms. Uh, I think it's probably the right time for him to leave. I'm, I'm not too bothered about him leaving, to be honest. Uh, he, he has been, he's done well, but Celtic took a big chance to him and he repaid the chance. He was paid handsomely mm. uh, for his time at the club, you know. Uh, I think that if we're trying to get Fraser Foster, who I don't know anybody that doesn't want him, the right thing would be to do is to try to... You would, you need the money in this climate to try to get your number one target. Oh. Yeah, I see Chris Commons writing in the paper today uh, about typical Celtic. Now, Chris Commons, I've met him a few times, all the guy. I think he's got a bit of grief against Celtic about what happened to him. And it's come across as sour grapes now. I think Chris Commons kind of leads to let this kind of thing go. I think uh, Chris was trying to make the point though, Paul, that there is a risk element involved in all of this because uh, Craig was a fantastic goalkeeper, is a fantastic goalkeeper, will be a fantastic signing for Hearts, but his time is up at Celtic. And now, Fraser Forster, last season, uh, the contribution that he made, the size of that contribution was immense. uh, And Celtic really would be better off getting Fraser Forster back in I'm sure you Paul and all the other fans 
would feel much better about going for ten in a row, knowing that the wall was in gold. Yeah, oh, hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. But I think in order to get them, have a chance of getting them, they'll need to free up the wages that Craig Gordon was on. So I think that's a in this climate a bit that's got a, something to do with it as well. There's all sorts of suggestions, Paul, as you'll be well aware that um, in order to get Fraser and Mohamed El Yunusi from Southampton. Uh, Southampton are, are apparently are showing an interest in Olivier and Sham, mm-hmm. uh, and that could form a deal. Um, I think that to gain Forster and El Yunusi, uh, I'm not sure, Paul. I would think if you lose Olivier and Sham, I would still think that was a good deal from Celtic's perspective. Would you agree? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I just feel that and Sham has got it in him. Almost ever since Dembele left, he seemed to be a bit of a huff. He, he, can, he, he plays when he wants to play. Uh, I think that would be a great deal. He, even if it was a swap for him and Fort, uh, if it was just a, a swap for him and Fraser Foster, I think that would be a good deal as well, to be honest. Yeah. How much I was going to say when you look at Olivier and Cham going to Southampton in comparison to Fraser Foster, say, coming to Celtic, when you look at the ages of them and what they can offer, mm. how much essentially more of an asset would would they be getting in Cham than Celtic and Forster when you look at the ages? Um, I think Fraser Forster, the, the age wouldn't concern me at all. Um, in, in terms of goalkeeper, he's not, he's yeah, not that old. Yeah, what is it, 30, 32? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you listen to Craig Gordon talking about being 37 and still wanting back mm. into the Scotland squad. So age where Forster's concerned would not be an issue. Uh, I, I think that in Cham, and Paul agrees on his day in Sham is a tremendous footballer. And that's why an English Premier League club have an interest in him. I just think that on the face of it, if the deal was Celtic get Fraser Forster and Mohamed El Yunusi, yeah. either on loan or on a permanent basis, and Olivier in Sham goes to Southampton, I think that would be decent work. Paul, you would be happy that with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, 100% agree. Not so a lot, honestly, to be honest. He's uh, he's been quite injury prone. But the the big one is they need to get Fraser Foster in. 100%. They need to do what they can to uh, just instill confidence in, in the whole back line. Where at times Craig Gordon didn't, to be honest. He's had a few, he few bluffers over the years. Uh, but 100%, that needs to be the main priority to get Fraser Foster in. Without doubt. Thank you to Paul and Kirk and Tilly for his call. Hugh, when we look at this deal, do you think Forster and Elianusi for Cham is a fair swap? You you look at what Southampton paid for Elianusi yeah. not that long ago. They're saying around sixteen million pounds. Oh, uh, I just think it would be, perhaps the deal would be Fraser Forster goes back to Celtic and Elianusi uh, on loan. Yep. Uh, I think that would be decent, uh, and Celtic would be. You know, grateful to have had it, Olivier and Sham for as long as they have had. But I think if it's Foster and El Yunusi, uh with the loss of Sham, I think that's okay. Alec in Parkhead's given us a call as well. Hello, Alec. Hi, how are we doing? All right. Uh, I just on about uh, Craig Gordon again. Wish him all the best. It was a great servant for Celtic. Uh, it now leads me to think that. Celtic must be very confident of getting uh, Fraser Foster on the line because, you know, we're, this is the 
this is uh, the biggest, the biggest time, you know, in long times. This is the most important season, and to Joseph Scott Bain, and I know that we've got the boy Hazard or whatever, but you know, to Joseph Scott Bain, Fraser Foster, you know, he's 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 the only one that we really need to get. If we get Ellen Lucy, sounds as if we're going to get him. Brilliant. But as I was saying to the, when the, the producer when I, when I took the call, mm-hmm. you know, when Rangers look at the team sheet or if we're just with Rangers are like that, you know, yeah, Fraser Foster thing for Celtic. If he doesn't think for Celtic, I think, you know, they would be like, you know, a wee bit quietly. Well, that, that, that's good. You know, I mean, you know, I'm talking about you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And by the same token, if you looked at the Rangers uh, team sheet and Alan McGregor wasn't there, you'd be quite happy about that. Uh, so I, I take your point. I, I just think that with regard to Craig Gordon, Celtic made it evident early on that they were offering him a much reduced deal. I think that's football's way of saying, look, you're expendable mm-hmm. now. Uh, so I, I don't think they entered into it thinking. Were a shoe in to get Fraser Forster. I think they've just uh, shown Craig Gordon that they weren't all that bothered about keeping him. Now the work has to be done to get Fraser Forster in. Alec, if it's not Fraser Forster, I know Joe Hart has been mentioned as well. How would you feel about that one? Well, it was only 2018 that Pep Guardiola says that he was one of the best goalkeepers in the world. He's, mm. he's played, he's been English, England number one. You know, Fraser Forster, he wasn't really. He wasn't really, and I heard about much when he came to Celtic. Uh, Craig Gordon had broke had broke his elbow again. Celtic took a chance. Maybe I know that Joe Hart's been to Torino and he's been to Burnley, whatever. You know, maybe coming up here, front playing in front of sixty thousand people. You know, of its confidence, the guys lacking a wee bit. You know, he, he played in all the big games in the Premiership. So if it wasn't Fraser Foster and if it was Joe Hart, well, I'm a hundred percent behind it. I think Joe Hart uh, would be looking at the situation and thinking, well, possibility of playing Champions League football with Celtic. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, as Alex says, much bigger club than Burnley, much bigger ground, much bigger support base, much bigger atmosphere, much bigger attraction. Uh, therefore, I don't think that Joe Hart would be turning his nose up at Celtic and Scottish football. But if you had... A vote among the Celtic supporters Their first choice I think without question Would be Fraser Forster I, I d- definitely Like I say You know I want Fraser And you know We've just seen what the guy done In the League Cup final But Just the assurance Of playing You know Julian and I are known That Fraser Forster behind him He's commanding He's confident You know to, to, He's one of the best goal, Well Al McGregor and Fraser Foster, you know, and if we didn't get Fraser Foster, I would be a wee bit gutted to be honest. With you, but again, as a Celtic fan and a Celtic supporter, if it was Joe Hart, you know, I would need to get right behind it. But and we can only go, you know, on what Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon will want Fraser Foster, sure. but you know, named, all these names are getting bandied about. The only people that will know is Neil Lennon, John Kennedy, and Mister Lawwell and Dermot Desmond. Do you know what I mean? Well that's four That's plenty to be going on with um, Again you look at Rangers Stephen Gerrard's brought in John McLaughlin Very good signing uh, As backup for Alan oh, McGregor dear. Outstanding goalkeeper And as Alec has touched upon This is a monumental season For the fans of Celtic and Rangers yep. And they're looking at 
what each other's going to be doing in terms of adding to or subtracting from the squad before we get started on the 1st of August. Um, and right now, with Craig Gordon having signed for Hearts, the focus in the short term turns to the goalkeeping position. And whether it's Fraser Forster or Joe Hart, Celtic need a goalkeeper of high calibre. This is Clyde One at Super Scoreboard. We're back after the travel with Lindsay. You are the voice of Scottish football. Call 0141 951 1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Alison Conroy and Hugh Keevans here until 7 o'clock tonight on Clyde One Super Scoreboard. 0141951 is the number you need, Hugh. We are going to be taking a little look at grassroots football mm. in a few minutes, obviously. Parents, children wanting to know when they can start playing again, when they can get back out onto the pitch because it's frustrating. They, they want to be back out there, but we also need to, to follow the rules and do as we're told. Absolutely. Worrying time for young people in this country, mm. um, you know, with clubs assessing their academies and whether they can afford them um, because of the financial hit they've taken as a consequence of COVID-19. And that goes down the way to the kids in the public parks or whatever. Uh, It is a worrying time. It's it's no one's fault. It's been created by a virus and that has created financial hardship that's ripping through the country. Uh, But it's it's a worrying time for young guys that want to progress and, and become footballers. We will be speaking to Scottish FA's Head of Football Development, Andy Gould, a little bit later in the show. But let's go to Dundee United, Hugh. Mm. We talked about the fact that Robbie Nielsen's left, he's gone to Hearts, they need a new manager. They're going pretty big. They're wanting to get yeah. a decent name in there. They've obviously been given permission already to speak to the SFA's Performance Director, Malky Mackay. Now, former England boss, Steve McLaren. Well, is going to speak to them As ever you have to declare an interest And Malky is a, a long-standing friend of mine And mm-hmm. I uh, have the highest admiration for his coaching abilities uh, I know that he let himself down a few years ago yeah. uh, Relating to matters off the field But he has paid his debt, mm-hmm. if you like uh, And I think that he would be a wonderful acquisition for Dundee United Uh, Of course you can't discount a man who's worked at Manchester United Who's been the England manager in his time I just think that Malky would be a more natural fit He would just walk into a Scottish club And he's had enough years back in his own country To to know everyone And uh, I just think he'd be a natural fit And I think it would be a stunning piece of business for Dundee United to get Someone of the calibre of Malky McKay. Austin McPhee, ex-Hearts assistant and former United captain John Daly as well have uh, reportedly had talks about taking over as well. But you think the fact that they've asked DSFA for permission oh. to speak to Malky as well makes you think and the he fact is the front runner. The fact that Malky's going into these uh, talks of his own free will and he wants back to what we know as frontline management. Mm-hmm. Uh and I, I do think it would be a tremendous appointment for Dundee United. It would lift their half of that city. How much of a blow would it be to the SFA? Malky's been there for a few years. Mm. They've put different projects in place. Obviously, he played played a part in bringing Steve Clark 
in yeah. a Scotland manager as well. Yeah, of course, it'd be a loss for the SFA, but they, they clearly understand that this is something that Malky wants to do. Uh, and there'll be no shortage of candidates to uh, assume the Malky mm-hmm. Mackay role. As, as I said, it's a very difficult time for football at that level. Uh, and the work that's being done is very important. We have to uh, hope and assume that the, the cash will still be there for all of the, the work to continue. Yep. But you have to play fair with people. And if Malky Mackay thinks, I've done this for long enough, I want to get back into club management then you have to play fair, knowing there'll be good men applying for his job. Well, Malky Mackay will look at it and think, I need to take this chance while it's coming, because I suppose the longer he spends in a director of football role at the Scottish FA, probably the more difficult it becomes to get back into that that Mm. club role. To be honest, I'm surprised it's taken him this long to go after another club job, um, because... I remember going down to, to see him when he was at Cardiff mm-hmm. and when they had Kenny Miller there and uh, they were about to play Liverpool in the League Cup final and you know the, the, he had the whole place on its ear uh, and the players loved him um, and I, I've always thought that you know he, he's, a, he's a club manager really John in Paisley's given us a call tonight hello John Good evening Hugh I don't know what you're hey, my Malky Mackay I've just stayed where I am it's a cushion no matter, you know what I mean, at the end of the day. In the club management, you don't know for one week, the next week you're out the door. So well, yeah, why why take yourself into that position when you're sitting there quite comfortably getting a good checkbook? First of all, uh, I, I can just hear Malky jumping up and down and uh, <laughs> shouting at the radio. Uh, it's not a, a, a cushy number. He was there to look after an entire country's development. Uh, therefore, well, well, anything but a cushy number. He's still going to be judged on results in that job as well. It's not in terms of it's, it's a lifelong job for him. Sure, uh, but you know, well, come on now. What what, what, what results is he going to? I mean, he's, he's not going to. It's not result driven in the sense that I mean, you go to win, lose a draw. But that wasn't even my point. To come on, mm-hmm. he's doing a job, but it's not a job that one week you're there, the next minute you're at the door. Because management and football, you could get put to do it within. I mean, your face doesn't fat after the players. But he understands that. I mean, you know, he's managed. Uh, so, but why would you leave a good job? Because he to wants to get back. Pressure, because pressure he's got the up. desire to coach again. He wants to get again. back into the front line, as I say. He wants to take Dundee United up. Well. Uh, and uh, he wants to challenge Celtic and Rangers. Uh, I just think uh, that you're, you're misinterpreting the whole thing, John. I mean, he... No, I'm not misinterpreting. I'm just being quite. Hey, if you actually look at life in general at the moment, you could put a job next next year where it could still be in a job for the next few years, for the next ten years if he wanted. Well, so, no, there's no guarantee I, I of that either. With you. There's no guarantee of that right, either. John, you had yeah, another point that you this. called. Yeah, yeah. My point is, COVID's a terrible thing. It's been absolutely tragedy and all sorts. But yes, this club's cutting our academies and all that. That's the club's fault because they have not they were they've been outspending their means. They're getting a pound coming in and they're spending two pounds going out the door. And because of that other people are suffering and it happens over a board in football. No, again they're I, spending Again I think you've got well, the wrong tell me end. I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm telling you you're wrong. You've got the wrong end of the stick here. Because you have a club like Aberdeen and another club like Hibbs who, who's through, spending their money. Who, no no no. 
No. Put spending. No. They're not bringing enough money in. No, that you you no. again you're guilty of misinterpretation. They are no. hold on, you'll never get an answer from me unless you keep quiet. They are burning their way through money that they are not earning. They are burning their way through money in players' wages, managers' wages, coaches' wages, and they're getting nothing in. They are watching their finances dwindle. And that's why in order to keep the club afloat in a a reasonable fashion, they are having to take these steps. They are taking them with tremendous reluctance. But it's not because of overspending. It's because they're paying wages and they're getting nothing in. And over a three-month period, and this includes Celtic and Rangers as well, they're going through fortunes. They're losing fortunes. Hugh, no, no club is immune to this. They've all no. spoken about it. No club, because obviously if your wages are higher and you're spending more, then you're losing more. And of course, you know your bigger clubs can absorb that for a little bit longer than the smaller clubs. Yeah. But but every club is going to be affected and probably have going to have to cut costs. Well, of course. Uh, and that's why Celtic, uh, for example, have offered Craig Gordon a contract which he found unacceptable. But Celtic, that's as far as we can go for you. That's why Johnny Hayes is no longer there. He became expendable. Clubs are not in this position because they have been overspending. They're in this position because a world crisis overtook them and forced them into a situation whereby they're paying everybody and earning nothing. John, you're a you're a Rangers fan. Now you, you must know that your club's going to be affected by this, along with every other club. I totally, I totally, hey, listen, I totally agree. Well, I could turn around and say, listen, the wages they're paying are just, uh, I mean, it's beyond a joke. And so you're bringing every club into fault. this and saying that every club, yeah, every club is at fault. Every, every, you see the players, you see the players, their wages, some of the wages are getting, some is couldn't earn in a year or two. You know what I mean? People own 30,000 pounds a week, right? And I don't care, they can make this excuse of get short careers, right? And I'll tell you right now, there's two clubs that they've took wage cuts. They've no, they've took deferred. They're, they're still going to get their money back. The clubs that mm-hmm. have done it. So this this kid and own that they've helped the club. They've helped the club in no way whatsoever because they'll get their money well, back. But they have helped the club because back. the club and don't have that capital at this back. moment. Uh, yeah, they will get the money back when the club gets back on to a point. You you'll agree with me here when the club gets back to a point that they have the money. It's yeah. just they don't have the cash flow. At the moment, yeah. because they have no money coming uh, in. And, How does that help the club? And players, well, help because, because it, it helps the club you, in the short term. It, it gets you over the hump, to use a colloquialism. Just take a pay cut. But it's essentially the I same as somebody taking a loan, John. If John, you, John, if, you, you, you're really going to struggle to understand anything because yeah. you never stop talking. They are helping the club over the hump at the moment. Players are not philanthropists. When the time comes for them to get the deferred wages back again, Mm -hmm. they had better get them or they'll all be on the phone to Fraser Wishart at PFA Scotland to say, I haven't had my money back from the club. So we all understand that that's the the law of the jungle with regard to this business. Johnny Hayes is probably the biggest one here because... He left Celtic. He wants to play football. He's yeah. gone back to Aberdeen, but he's agreed to defer a season's wage. Yeah, uh, so that Aberdeen can find their feet again yeah. and then they will pay Johnny Hayes or else Johnny Hayes will be perfectly entitled to take Aberdeen to court or whatever. But we're trying, all of us, to cope with the effect of COVID-19 
And uh, I repeat The clubs are not in this position Because of overspending They're in this position Because they've been overtaken By a world crisis Thank you to John in Paisley For his call Now I did say We're going to take a little look At grassroots football When can the kids get back to playing We've got to look at that level as well Full contact training Of course return for Premiership players today But they're being constantly tested, something that can't happen right through the game. Now, Andy Gould is the Head of Football Development at the Scottish FA and he joins us now. Hello, Andy. Hi, Alison. How are you doing? I'm all right. Yourself? Yes, good. Thank you. How tough is your job at the moment? <laughs> well, first of all, it's a privilege, yeah. uh, I've got to say, to be involved in the game and to have a chance to to support so many people who are so enthusiastic about football. But yeah, like everyone else, we have challenges and it's about how we work together to overcome those. And, and we're all just passionate about getting people back on the pitch, getting people who love the game back out playing and enjoying it as, as best we possibly can. Where are you at the moment? Obviously, a lot of this is dependent on what the Scottish Government tell us we can do as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we welcomed the announcement from the First Minister and the Scottish Government last week. I think you alluded to it there. That there is hope, I think, for the thousands of coaches and players involved in the game that there's an opportunity for us in this next phase. Mm-hmm. We'll hopefully have a further announcement on the 9th of July when the Government do their next update. But from the 13th of July, there is the prospect uh, that uh, things continue to go well for us, that for young people, for children, uh, there will be a chance to get back on the pitch. There will certainly be guidelines around about that. How we do that, we don't know fully yet, but there really is an opportunity now come the 9th of July when that announcement is made for us to work towards something. And I think that's the big thing. If people have got a date that they can work towards, then there's there's hope, there's that opportunity to get back on the pitch. And we know that the benefit thousands of people will get from being back out on the pitch from a health and wellbeing point of view, it's just massive. You took the words out of my mouth, Andy, because this is not just a football matter, not about progressing children as football players. This is about the health of the, the young people in this country. And the, the the last three months have been very difficult in that regard. I have grandchildren who can't go to their football training and, you know, they're, they're missing out on proper exercise as well, Andy. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, not, so they've not just missed out in many cases around education, but, but they have. They've missed out on that opportunity to be out on the pitch and just to have that fresh air, to be active. And, um, you know, there's 700,000 people involved in football, of course, at all different levels. As you say, they're not all at the top end of the game. But the joy, the, the, the benefit that that brings to them, it's just it's massive, it's huge. And football absolutely is our number one sport. So we've got to try and do what we can to get people back out in the pitch, but, but we've got to do it in a safe way. I, I probably should thank those in the game that really have kept engaging their players at this point in time because we've seen some remarkable stories and the clubs and the volunteers have, have done really well to still engage young people to get them uh, active in a, in a way through, obviously, all the online methods that uh, maybe weren't, we weren't used to previously, but they've responded brilliantly and we have seen a lot of people still be active using innovative ways and and long may that continue as well Through no fault of their own Andy clubs have had to look at the academies and uh, decide whether they can afford them or not and so on and so forth no one's fault caused by the crisis but it's becoming more and more important that uh, we try and keep this generation of young players involved in football Yeah without a doubt I I think we've got and there's a lot of people who have a part to play now uh, 
as we return to football. And as I say, we are seeing signs of hope that we can get back to the game and people back on a pitch. And, and that takes a bit of collaboration. You know, we've got to work with the government. We've got to work with other stakeholders, local authorities, to try and make sure that football returns as strong as it was. And, and in the longer term, stronger than ever, because football is a huge part of society and we must make it work. We must make sure that we've got that opportunity to do things and, and that might mean doing things slightly differently I think we're all aware of that and mm-hmm. try and be innovative you know can we do things round about the game that's maybe slightly different that will keep people active but yeah it's hugely important to all of us here We've all become regrettably well used to the expression the new normal what will the new normal be for, for you and the, the, the young guys and indeed young girls that uh, you're trying to help you know, I, I think there's an opportunity for us to certainly try and empower young people to have more of a responsibility themselves. Uh, it hasn't done any harm in terms of the, as I said before, getting young people active and getting them to think creatively about their own development. You know, the, at the moment, of course, we can't have formal training, but as I say, we can still see young people being out on the pitches, out on the grass, honing their skills, doing things together. We would certainly like to see that continue without a shadow of a doubt. Can we promote more active travel? You know, there's one. Can we actually get people to cycle more, to mm-hmm. actively travel to their clubs? We, I saw something today about the no ball game signs coming down. You know, can we do things like that that are going to get young people to be more engaged in sport and physical activity? And I think we can do that. And I think as we go forward, we'd like to think that we can be a nation that promotes health and well-being and football can play a really big part in that. And from what you're saying, is it a sense of taking something that has been so terrible for so many and actually turning on its head and trying to get some positives going forward? I think that's the way we have to look at it. You know, these, these are obviously challenges and I'm not underplaying what those challenges mm-hmm. are. You've mentioned some of the challenges to the professional game. Our grassroots clubs are going to be in exactly the same position. So our role is to help, help them, support them, understand what the challenges are represent those challenges as best we can in other places and facilitate and support their return. And, and as I say, it's maybe not going to be right away, but if our Scottish government look at what kind of future they want to have and for our young people and for the, the nation, then I, I think football and sport obviously can play a huge, huge part in that. I think it's all of us to, to try and raise the profile of that and what it means. We need to get you back quickly, Andy, because... <laughs> I took I took the two youngest ones for a kickabout on Saturday, and I I am sure I heard one of them say to the other one, "Yeah, did." <laughs> I bet they enjoyed it, Hugh. I bet they, and I remember back in the day when I would go out the pitch, and it's a long, long time ago now as well. But you do remember your first moments out in that park with your parents and your grandparents, and I think those are moments that we need to cherish. But you're right, we do need to get back on the pitch as well and get our clubs back in a way that they can support young people not just young people others to to get the benefit of the game in the right environment in the right setting Andy Gould Head of Football Development at the Scottish Evie thank you for joining us in Clyde One Super Scoreboard Thanks Alison Thank you Thanks Andy That was Andy Gould This is Clyde One at Super Scoreboard We're back after the travel with Lindsay Tackle the headlines 01419511025 Clyde One Super Scoreboard Hugh Keevans back in the studio tonight with me, Alison Conroy, for Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hugh, it's great to see your face over the desk, I have to say. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Three months away from the building, you know, that, yeah. in 35 years that has been unknown for me, but it's great to be back. 
for our older listeners, well, not that old, but I know it as well. Um, we've had a few tweets about it. We tweeted a photo of you with your lockdown hairdo yeah. and somebody did reply that they thought they were looking at Sid Little. Well, I'll take that. <laughs> he was a decent old sort, Sid. Uh, but I will be glad to get a haircut on the 15th. Is it 15th of July? Can I get a haircut then? 16th, 15th. Yeah. yeah. I've got mine booked already. I've got to wait till the 25th, though. By the time she's squeezed everybody in, but oh. I'm okay with that. Mine's hasn't been this long since the fourth year at secondary school. Mine's never been this long, but it's slightly different for me and I don't dye it, so I'm all right. I want my nails done, but I need to wait for Nicola oh, to say it's okay. <laughs> First world problems. Um, I need to speak about Kieran Tierney. Yes, terrific game he had. Yeah, man of the match um, appearance for him last night for Arsenal in the FA Cup. He's been plagued by injury since he went down there, Hugh, so it was so great for him in that sense. But also, rocking up. Yes. Never mind all your designer bags. He rocked up with his bag for life. Yes, his Tesco bag. Yeah. Other supermarkets are available. <laughs> uh, but that, there you are. You can take the boy out of Scotland. You can't take Scotland out of the boy. Um, and it's terrific. It's been a real show of mental strength from Kieran yeah. Tierney's part. I mean, the, the, by Scottish standards, £25 million is an immense fee. Um, Celtic would have been grateful for that money after Kieran had gone because of the the crisis and the, the draining of Celtic's resources um, but he's gone down there and he's held his nerve and quite clearly Mikel Arteta has an awful lot of time for him Stevie Clark would be delighted to see him back yeah. in that kind of form um, so all in all a really good weekend for Kieran Tierney him turning up like that with his Tesco plastic bag He's just a boy that wants to play football sure. It's not about anything else for him, is it? No, uh, and you know Everyone goes on about Andy Robertson And the, the, the kind of down-to-earth attitude yep. that he has And that is true and that is important You know, football doesn't like Billy Big Times uh, And they, they need the Kieran Tierney's and the Andy Robertson's of this world So, well done Um Bit of a struggle ahead for Arsenal, I think. You know, you look at what's going on down in England mm-hmm. now. Liverpool are so strong. And then Man City will come back again. And the Man United are looking stronger. Uh, so Arteta has a big job on. Um, but he's looking good on it. And so is Kieran Tierney. 01419511025 is the number. And John and Coat Bridge has given us a call. Hello, John. Hello, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, I wasn't... Too chuffed when Johnny Hayes left Celtic. Mm-hmm. I think he could have stayed another season. But I'm definitely not chuffed that I look at Joe Hart to replace Greg Gordon in goals. Joe Hart has been down and down and down. He's never, he represented England and it was a disaster. But I hope, well, I think Greg uh, Gordon's away at Hearts. Yeah. But to get him in as a replacement, not chuffed, not pleased. Well, I suppose, John, uh, when uh, Craig Gordon signed for Celtic, he hadn't played football for three years. How did you feel, John, just to go back to that point, when Craig Gordon arrived at Celtic, not having played for three years, were you chuffed about that? Well, maybe not in that sense, but I'm definitely not chuffed that Joe Hart's going in to replace him. I don't know, I can't remember who was in goals at the time. But Joe Hart's not... Goalkeeper. The only the only thing I would say, John, is that perhaps you know, in his day, he has been an outstanding goalkeeper. Uh, that's why it, I must have missed it. 
Well, you don't get all the England caps that he got by being hopeless, and you don't play for Man City and win the title uh, by being bad in goal. So I think you 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 have to be fair. His career, there is no doubt, has been in decline. You couldn't lie and say anything other than that. Uh, when he went on loan to Torino and then back to to Burnley, um, but I, I just wonder if. And I fully acknowledge that the Celtic fans want Fraser Forster above yeah. above all else. They want Fraser Forster, but if Joe Hart became the number one choice, I just wonder if he would come in from Turf Moor, look at Celtic Park, and think, right, I can build myself back up again here. I know it's not what you want. I know it's not what the majority of Celtic supporters want, but. I just wonder if Celtic could not get Fraser Forster if Joe Hart would be re-energised by joining a club like Celtic in a season as momentous as the new season will be. Do you think uh, Fraser Forster will be leaving Celtic? Well, these things are always complicated Mm -hmm. Um, and you've got El Yanoussi as part of the bargaining and by... All accounts, Olivier and Sham is part of the talks as well. I just think that Celtic would feel much better and the Celtics fans would feel much better if Fraser Forster was signed and sealed, even if it's only for one season on loan. I'll see anyway. How's your hair anyway? It's all over the place. It's a kind of Ken Dodd. What? Uh, all you need is a tickling stick Exactly <laughs> We're bringing out all the old comedians tonight aren't we? Well, Ken Dodd, enough. Sid Little <laughs> That's because you've got an old guy standing here I went to see Ken Dodd once, well, there you go Yeah, they tell me he's fantastic yeah, but, uh, You won't say, see him now, but No, no. Uh, the, no, the, uh, the, as I say, the longest it's been since fourth year at secondary school Thank you to John in Coatbridge for his call as well, Hugh. Another couple of bits of signing news today. Stephen Whitaker, of course, was one of the players released by Hibs at the end of the season. He's 36-year-old defender. He's signed for Dunfermline on a year-long deal as a player coach. For a club like Dunfermline, that's a really good signing. Oh, yeah. When you consider that uh, 17 players were dumped by Dunfermline and you, you feared for them... Uh, but they're clearly planning, uh, looking ahead, and uh, Stephen Whitaker, fine fullback. Um, it'll be an inspiration to whoever is round about him. They've got a lot more signing to do than Fairman to, to make up for the loss of so many players. Uh, so there's absolutely nothing wrong with that signing. Yeah, double signing for Dunfermline today, actually, as well. Paul Watson moving mm. there as well. So that was a two year deal for him, another defender. So but, they, they are trying to, to build back up. Well, I can already imagine people saying, what, 17 players had to get the chop and then the first thing they do is go for uh, Stephen Whitaker, who's at an advanced age. Uh, But I think you need people like Stephen Whitaker about your club for the Mm -hmm. experience that they bring. Problems at Dundee, they they said last week, as we've spoken about earlier, all clubs are going to have to make cuts there speaking to players wanting to make around 30% wage cuts Jimmy Nicholl assistant manager left last week along with their their sports scientist oh. Captain Josh Meekings has today decided he's off ski he's rejected a new deal and yet uh, others are taking pay cuts yep. Paul McGowan um, notable among them um, and I think that players have to acknowledge what clubs are going through uh, if it's not for you fine 
just say, no, no, I can't take that drop in wages or look elsewhere. That's absolutely fine because the, the club have been left in a position and they can't pay you what they once were able to pay you. So you can either take the wage cut, the wage deferral, or you can go elsewhere. No one is at fault here. Not the mm. clubs, not the players who decide to go. Everyone has been left in the lurch by COVID-19. Every club, every player's dealing with something that they've never dealt with before. We all are. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the new season, when it begins, fingers crossed on the 1st of August, will be a time of utter weirdness. Mm-hmm. A season as crucially important as it is to the fans of Celtic and Rangers will probably start with no fans inside the ground at all. Hopefully that situation will change and rapidly so yeah. but for such a big season monumental season to begin with games played behind closed doors is remarkable so we all will have to get used to that horrible phrase the new normal and a player that called it quits at the weekend John Rankin mm, Ranks good guy uh, who'll uh, Ever forget the the squiggler, the famous squiggler, yes. as, as he twisted it, the goal he scored against Celtic, uh, which changed direction about seventeen times before it went past that. Arthur Boric, I think, was in Celtic's goal then. Um, one of the good guys in the game, mm-hmm. John Rankin, and uh, he'll be a loss to the playing side of the game. Yeah, he was, you know, plagued by injury. And he had a horrific injury last season. Mm. Well, the players always know their own body best. If the body has nothing left to give. In the playing sense, they know and they call it quits because they're honest about it. Well, that's about it for tonight. Thank you to Hugh for joining me back in the studio. Get your scissors out. I'll be back tomorrow night with Gordon DL. Thanks as always to you all for listening. Callum Gallagher's up next. Mm